Hello, I'm Dr. Aloysius Friedman. And I'm Professor Alayla Marks-Parks. Welcome back to Pale Columbia. Our last episode ended with Jupiter Nameless, a mulatto slave of Thomas Jefferson. Ooh, not the preferred nomenclature, dude. Mulatto comes from the Spanish for mule. You're, you're basically calling him an animal. That's what they would have called him, damn it. What do you want me to do? I'm just saying. There's no time for this, Alayla. We can't afford to waste studio time. Oh, Cassius will just edit it out. Ain't that right, Cassius? You got it, man. See? We'll fix it in post. Just don't call him a mule. In three, two... With Jupiter Nameless, a multiracial person enslaved by Thomas Jefferson. There we go. Having encountered a horde of blighted colonists and made his escape, and the process leaving his companion Samson for the dead. Meanwhile, Monticello had received a few new visitors of late, right, Alayla? That's right. We'll come back to Jupiter's tale in a bit. But for now, let's check in on Jefferson's stately manse. Monticello had already welcomed one new arrival, the infamous slave mogul, Carmela Kane. But there were two more just arriving. The first, you likely haven't heard of, a 19-year-old printer's apprentice by the name of Fiona Pratt. You're more familiar with Miss Pratt's mentor, the founding father by the name of Franklin, first name Benjamin. Dr. Franklin, as I live and breathe, why, I'd wager my eye teeth you haven't aged a week since we last met. Oh, perhaps, but at my age, the days pass like dog years. Now, be a good lad and help an old man down, would you? Of course, and might I assume this lovely specimen accompanying you... Fiona's my apprentice, yes, Thomas, but I've told her all about you, so calm your loins. Why, Benjamin, I invite you into my home, and you repay me with calumny and aspersions. I'd hoped only that you would make introductions. She seems a fine lass, and she... Can introduce herself, Mr. Jefferson? Fiona Pratt, and your companion... Practiced and practical, this one is, Ben. I approve. I approve. Not that any approval was sought. Fiona? I mean only to say that you seem the perfect apprentice to dear Benjamin here. Efficient, no doubt erudite. Well, I thank you, Master Jeff. Easy on the eye as well. Thomas? Perhaps your new guests, Jefferson, are weary from the road. Might we not relocate to somewhere less... Musty? Of course. Forgive me, Benjamin Fiona. Allow me to introduce Carmela Kane of the Manassas Kane. Charmed, I'm sure. Madam Kane is here to purchase a few of my Negroes. She'd hardly settled in when word came of your approach. In my zeal to greet you, Ben, I may have pressed her into abandoning the comfort of the indoors. The heat is unpleasant, but I'd mostly prefer somewhere less redolent of... Labor? I've heard of the Manassas Canes, Carmela. Madam Kane, please. Miss or mistress, if you must. And I've heard, Carmela, of your good fortune in growing your late husband's estate. Yes. I've thrived where Thaddeus couldn't. But do you mean to say you detest being in the presence of slaves, even as you draw your admittedly vast fortune from them? 
Were my livelihood built on trading cattle, Miss Pratt, should I then chew cud? If swine underpinned my fortune, would you have me muckwallow alongside them? These are neither cows nor sows, though, Carmella, but men. And women, so... Men and women with a place and a value, Miss Pratt. And seeing how Jefferson minds his house, men and women who know their station, which is more than I can say for some. Madam Kane, I think, did have the right of it. It is rather hot out here. We might... I've heard tell of your efforts in support of emancipation, Franklin. Given your apprentice's comportment... I can only assume you support the erasure of all natural hierarchies among men. Well, a clever acquaintance of mine did once write, all men are created equal. Fiona may be brash now and then, but she has a good head on her. Hmm, I'm sure. And am I to take it you've no compunctions regarding what might be said of you travelling alone with a young woman? (laughs) My dear, at my age, one must be grateful when people say anything about something you're doing, as that means you're still alive. (laughs) Yes, well said, old friend. Now, as I was saying, cooler environs might yield cooler heads. No, let's away now. She's a fine filly, I'll attest, Benjamin, but I need you to corral her. I can ill afford to lose this sale on account of another of your libertine lasses. Oh, hush, Thomas. Birds must fly, fish must swim, and hens must peck. Just sit back and enjoy nature. Fiona is a fascinating specimen. And speaking of fascinating specimens, is Jupiter about? I'm of a mind to play some chess. Ah, Jupiter. Yes, well, I regret to inform you. Meanwhile, Jupiter had met the limits of his book learning. Avoiding roads, he found himself lost, incapable of navigating a... Godforsaken wilderness! Come on, Jupiter... You can play a sonata and recite Hamlet simultaneously. How long could it be to find a cardinal direction? How's the line go? I am but mad north-northwest? Not that I can find either. Not a moss. It grows on which side of the tree? Who told me that? Uh, Hercules. Doubtless now he's in a dozen pieces, sliced and studied to slake some sawbones curiosity. Could be he's better off than me. Aimless, adrift, unable to walk a road for fear of a rabbit horde or slave catcher. I should have grabbed a compass. Back at Percival's general store before... Di- before Samson. Shouldn't talk so goddamn loud, nameless. Samson, how do you... Shouldn't be so loud if you ain't trying to get caught. Samson, you look a wreck. Of course I do, nameless. You, you left me to die. They were coming, so I... <sighs> Had to save your own ass, huh? Look at you. Got turned around. Ended up back where you came. Back where I came? I've been walking for an eternity. The boss, I... Idiot. How do you think I caught up with you? You got turned around. Main road ain't but but a stone's throw away. All that book learning, but still goddamn fool. (sighs) Samson! Dear God, you're burning up. I'm going to get you back home. Hey, I just need to remember, like Hercules said, the moss... The north side. Moss grows on the north side of a tree. 
Not that you need worry about none of that no more. We know how to get you back home. My name is Lillian, but most everyone calls me Method. The gentleman to your left, aiming a musket at your feverish companion, is my associate, Arch Porter. Say hello, Arch. Ugly business, slave hunting, but a man's gotta make a living. Please don't Arch. think. Arch. Hello. And the burly, red-headed woman holding the blade to your back? That's my partner, Gertrude. Ain't never had much use for my Christian. You can call me Red. Of course we're here to return you to your owner. And on that note, thanks! If not for your soliloquy, we might have missed you. Believe that's what the learned folk call fortuitous. Indeed, dearest. Look, Miss Method, I don't know who you think we are, but... I think you're a red-haired mulatto, age 19, while your friend is a darker black buck of sturdy build. That is, just the lads we were sent to find. And it's a bit insulting that you try to convince me otherwise. Don't insult me, Jupiter. But if you just hear me out, back there, something's wrong back in that town. Well, ain't we just fortuitous that we're not heading back there? Indeed. Now be a good lad and hold out your hands so Gertrude can fit those manacles. If your friend doesn't stop moaning, we'll have to gag him. But if you're quiet, you can avoid his fate. You don't understand. This blight, they're, they're rabbit. One bit Samson. We have to... <sighs> I did try to be magnanimous. You always do, love. Bind and gag the two of them. Oh, this one might not make it, fever and all. So we'll make haste and get them back before he expires. Binds and bridles, Arch. I'll go fetch the wagon. Why come ye hither, fugitives? Your mind with madness fills. In our valleys there is danger, and there's danger in our hills. Oh, hear ye not the singing of our voices wild and free. For soon you'll hear the ringing of the rifle from the tree. For the rifle. For the rifle, oh, arch. in our hands we'll prove no trifle. He may speak a goodly word, and you may serve a different master. You may abscond, but for a bond we'll bring you back much faster when you meet the business end of our rifles on the spot. For some cash, your hopes will dash. We always hit our shot. For the rifle, for the rifle, for the rifle. In our hands, we'll prove no trifle. at home across the briny water that hither ye must come like bullocks to the slaughter you may try to run and hide but your screams will just grow louder as on your trail we ride to greet you with black powder for the rifle for the rifle, for the rifle. in our hands we'll prove 
no trifle. Again. For the rifle. For the rifle. For the rifle. For the rifle. In our hands, we'll prove no trifle. I swear by nature and nature's god boy, if you won't be silent, you'll make a roadside feast for the buzzards while we tell your master we could only find your friend. And I'll snip your half-blood bollocks afore we're done with you. See if it's true Mulatto's got one black ball and one white. Oh, Red, that's just absurd. What? I heard it out west, Arch, I swear. You recall that surgeon? Red, for the love of Christ. The one we took all them dead savage bodies to? He said the blacks and the savages got bigger balls, all animalistic-like, and he said the insides match the outsides, and if you... Gertrude, dearest, and you too, Arch, might not the two of you let silence reign these last few miles? I was only saying that with a white father... Black or red mother, it makes sense that... <coughs> Quiet, you! To Method's chagrin, Red and Porter only managed about an hour of silence. Fortunately for her, they soon arrived at Monticello. By the time Jefferson emerged from the main house to meet them, they had drawn a crowd. That yellow boy got timid and snitched. And he'd make it two steps before he started itching for wine and big words of mass ain't that right name. That's enough of that. You lot want to handle the boy yourselves, and that's just fine. Just wait until we've got cash in hand. Try anything before that, and... Well... Gaggle of willful types you got tilling your fields, Jefferson. Think not for a moment that their impertinence slipped my sight. Back to work, all of you, lest you pass the night with empty bellies. Now, on to happier matters. I'm told the shepherds have retrieved a pair of wayward sheep. Billy goats is more like it, for all that bleating they done. The blacker buck? Samson, I believe you call him. He was injured prior to our apprehending him. It worsened during our trip, and to spare all of our sanities, we gagged him to muffle his moaning. And the mulatto was chattering about rabid folk. <laughs> Some imagined horrors preceding their capture. We gagged him as well. I suspect some fever has racked his faculties, but you will note that we've delivered both fugitives whole and alive. Now, as to the matter of our pay... Now, has she the right of it, Jupiter? Are you yet addled by some persistent calenture? His main concern, Mr. Jefferson, has been his companion. As to Samson's wounds... Thanks to high heaven, it does. Probably lose that foot. Keep him from running again, at least. Red, please. Now, I'm no proper physic, but if you've the means to bleed him... Our physician is away. I suppose Samson will do penance this night. You there. Yes, sir. Convey Samson to the slave quarters. See that he receives light punishment and have someone prepare a poultice for that abscess. Yes, sir. Not to belabor the matter, but regarding our pay? I'd intended to discourse on that presently. At the moment, I am, how to put it, rather illiquid. If you three would but tarry until the morrow... Jefferson, our contract stipulated... Of course, of course, and I intend to make good. I have another guest tonight with whom I've impending business. Once we've reified that transaction, you can expect remuneration toot sweet. 
Bunch of big words, but you look like you're offering an I.O.U. You better make good, Jefferson. Sesquipedalian as my supplication might be. What you call me? I promise. Madam, please, there's no need to produce knives. I was just saying, I promise. Y- you have my word, I assure you. Now, if there's nothing else. Sir, I believe that lad's injury. Doubtless a passing matter. The Negro, you see, is made of sturdy stuff. Where he wants for mental acuity, he abounds in fortitude. Samson will be fine. Meanwhile, tonight we'll have fine wine to drink and finer linens to rest on. All the while, our return prodigal Jupiter shall entertain us. Isn't that right, Jupiter? <laughs> exactly. He's a fine specimen, a tribute to his race. But where was I? Ah, yes, the Negro. Though distasteful, their bondage is necessary for their betterment. Imagine, if you will, the Negro some decades hence. The burden of the historian, of course, is a million and one unknowables. Great and terrible currents carve out the story of man, but some things swing on a single decision. Jefferson's decision to discipline Samson with light punishment was code for six lashes, and may well have done the ailing slave in, making what followed an inevitability. Might things have turned out differently had Jefferson been a kinder master? That's another one of those million and one unknowables. What we do know, though, is that as Samson was being lightly disciplined, Thomas Jefferson's guests were enjoying the fruits of Monticello's vineyard, and with the return of Jupiter Nameless, they had musical accompaniment for their revelries. You have to admit the contradiction, Thomas. You speak of making this continent into, oh, how did you call it? Uh, oh, it was something hopelessly lyrical. An empire of liberty. Yes, there it is. Seductive and sonorous, those words. Silky, even. But one might as well wipe one's ass with said silk if that empire... <coughs> uh, where was I? You were deriding the notion of an empire of liberty founded on bondage. Yes, Fiona. Now, Thomas. Though, if you ask me... Not that anyone did. I'd be interested to hear Jupiter's thoughts on the matter. (laughs) Jupiter's thoughts? Oh, Miss Pratt, I'm afraid you... Well, he's delighted us all this eve on the harpsichord, has he not? Might we not free him from that inhuman bridal gag? Ah, yes, Fiona. You squeeze a delectable grape, Thomas. The wine bested me for a moment. Pour me another, would you? Uh, Given that you've only just recovered from your most recent gout attack, sir, might I advise you against another glass? Your attacks do come on fast, so why risk further agony? Yes, Fiona, the gout is indeed hell. And having just walked through hell, I see no need to start stepping lightly. (laughs) I see your point, Ben, and sometime after we've resolved this conflict with the Crown, I'd imagine large-scale manumission is inevitable, but... (laughs) Inevitable? Heaven forfend! You would saddle us by letting the blacks live among us? 
Among us? Oh, no, 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 no. We doubtless send them all. If that's your thinking, Jefferson, it's a blessing that I came here. And why did you come here exactly, Carmella? Fiona. I'd come intending to add a portion of Jefferson's bondsmen to my own holdings, Miss Pratt. Seeing now that he aims to unleash them among us... But I've no intention of them living among us. I'm almost of a mind to purchase all of his human capital, thus sparing civilization from his folly. So you traveled here alone, carrying enough money to buy... how many slaves? Alone? Hardly. My coachman dines as we speak with my intended purchases. As to traveling with currency, well, you'll never be in a position to confirm this, Miss Pratt, but... When you reach a certain level of wealth, you need not carry large sums on you, as your word carries its weight in gold. I came to inspect Jefferson's merchandise, and I found them to my liking. Funds will be exchanged in the future. Uh, I'm sorry, am I to understand you've brought no funds with you? Not even enough for a down payment, perhaps. It's just that uh, I'm rather illiquid at the moment, and I'd intended to use a portion of the proceeds to Uh, pay... Pardon, I was distracted for a second. Now, did I mishear, or...? You heard right. You serve a fine steak, Jefferson. Wine's good, too. Still gonna cut you if you don't pay up, but the wine's pretty damn good. I assure you, my friends, I... Madam Kane, not even a little bit of pocket... No, um, let me think. Uh, Jupiter, goddammit, just play something else so I can think. Forgive my interjections, sir, but speaking of Jupiter, I'm reminded of Samson. I was wondering... Forget the slave, Arch. We need to get paid. Ain't no wine left in this bottle. Hey, Ben, pass me the one you just opened. But, sir, if I may, the boy's abscess. Of course. Madam's Red and Method, you're in possession of a prison wagon. Oh, this wine is fantastic. Madam Kane, you've already decided which of my slaves you'd like to buy. Why not load those slaves into Red and Method's wagon, whereupon they travel to Manassas with you? Once there, you can pay them their fee out of our settled price. Then they can return the remainder to me here. Our agreement didn't include ferrying funds for you. And what if I threw in a bonus of, say, 15%? You throw in some of them steaks, a few crates of wine, we'll bring your money back. Done. Sir, not to belabor the point, but... Oh, for God's sakes, fine. Go examine Samson to your heart's content. Sleep among the slaves for all I care. Gideon? Sir? Escort Mr. Arch to the slave quarters or wherever he wants to go, just so long as he's out of here. Thomas? What? Let's get that muzzle off of Jupiter, eh? The boy's learned his lesson, and I've a mind to challenge him over the chessboard. I'd make a better opponent. Aside from two early wins as he was learning the game, I've beaten him every time. A fact I take to mean that the transitive property is well within your blind spot. What's that? Nothing, dear Thomas. Madam Red, might you have the key to that apparatus? Come, Jupiter, tell me, have you tried out the Rui Lopez as I suggested last time?
Mr. Porter, sir, they're expecting me back in the kitchen, so... Hopefully it won't be too long, and good lord, I can smell the wound from here. This doesn't feel right. They look scared. Well, of course they're scared. Do you hear his breathing? Ragged as a consumption patient. God, he's scalding to the touch. Now, how long has he been spasming so? And why has no one removed the bridle? They don't have a key, sir. The mechanism's simple enough. It's just... Oh, bugger it. Oh, my... Oh, no. Oh, God, no. Get in, wait. The night is deepening and the blight is rising at Monticello, so we hope you'll join us next time. We'll pick up right where we left off in the next episode of Pale Columbia. In Pale Columbia, Chapter 2, That Means You're Still Alive, Eric Austin played Aloysius Freeman and Jupiter Nameless. Kate Piotti played Alayla Marks-Parks, Fiona Pratt, and Gertrude Red. Hannah Schooner played Lillian Method and Carmela Kane. And Ryan Knowles played Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, and Arch Porter. Other roles were played by the cast. Pale Columbia features music and original arrangements by Jackie Presti, with lyrics and lead vocals by Ryan Knowles. Mandolin and guitar by Bob Rose. Audio production and sound design by Alex Sterling at Precision Sound Studios, New York. Assistant audio engineer, Colin Bryson. Executive producer, Nadine Welch. Pale Columbia was written and created by Kevin Likely and produced and directed by Justin Heyman. <laughs>